0: Welcome to the All Y'all Podcast. I'm Chris J.
1: And I'm Sarah Bear. All Y'all is a live storytelling event series and podcast that Chris and I produce independently in Shreveport, Louisiana. We are recording this episode at the new Cohab Podcast Studio. So if you have ever wanted to create a podcast of your own, maybe you've been listening to Ollie and you're like, I could do that. I bet you can. You can schedule a tour and come down and see this new incredible space. It has made us feel like superheroes. I feel super powered now. It's
0: pretty awesome. This episode of the podcast features a fun story of life in the professional kitchen from storyteller Anthony Catfish Woodward. But before we get to Catfish's story, we'd like to say thank you to our season sponsor, Maryland's Place. If hearing all of this talk about catfish makes you hungry, Maryland's Place would be a great place to go to crush that hunger with a platter of curry fried catfish or a fried catfish po' boy. No one fries catfish better than Boz's team. To keep up with their nightly specials, live music, and more, just like Maryland's Place on Facebook. It's the green circle with the M and the P, so search for Maryland's with two N's, Maryland's Place.
1: This episode features a story from our November 2018 live event, Let's Eat, which was hosted at Red River Brewing Company. Storyteller Anthony Catfish Woodward is a popular face in the local food and drink community. He's been a line cook, a chef, a barista, and a manager. At All you Live, Catfish opened the night with an entertaining story about a Mother's Day brunch gone completely and totally wrong.
0: Since the first time we heard Catfish's hilarious story, we've been calling it The Boy Who Cried Hollandaise. Stick around after this story to hear our follow-up interview with Fish.
2: I'm guessing a lot of you guys are probably wondering why or how I got the name Catfish. It started off on my first day working at Wine Country. Um, I walked in nervous because it's like my first professional cooking job. And I walk in, I see Chef Anthony, and I was like, hey, Chef. Thank you for allowing me a to beer today. And the first thing he tells me, I expect, like, hey, welcome. He's like, change your name. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm Chef Anthony. There can only be one Anthony in the kitchen. Change your name, find a nickname. You know what? Make your own nickname up. I was like, that's lame. No one makes up their own nickname. So a couple hours pass, and he's like, I want you to cut up this fish for me. And it was like a 25-pound salmon. Never touched, like, a fish like that before, that big. And he said, fillet it, but I literally butchered it. I felt so bad that I was willing to go and buy another one. Uh, but he's like, you know what, since you're the new guy and you killed that fish again, we're, we're going uh, to call you Fish. I was like, all right, Fish is OK, I guess. Uh, two weeks into working with them, people kept calling me Fish. And out of nowhere, this guy I was working with, um, he's like, you know what, I'm going to call you Catfish Billy. I was like, wait, hold up, hold up, who's Catfish Billy? He's like, are you serious? You've never heard of him? He's like the greatest rapper of all time. So he's like, you have to look him up. He's amazing. So I looked him up. I went home that night, looked him up. And this guy is horrible. (laughs) Worst rapper of all time. Like he lives in the country of Alabama and cannot rhyme to save his life. And I kind of got offended. I was like, I guess he's kind of trying to say that I suck at cooking because this guy sucks at rapping. So I go, I go in the next morning. I was like, he's like, Catfish Billy. I was like, no, no, no. You're not calling me Catfish Billy. You can call me Catfish. You can call me Fish. But there's no way you're calling me Catfish Billy. And he's like, all right, fine. Catfish stuck. And for four years now, when I introduce myself to somebody, I'm like, hey, my name's Anthony. But you're going to hear someone call me Catfish. So you can call me Catfish as well. And that's where it started for me. I just, the nickname stuck. And I started working for Anthony. I started as a, a salad cook, making the appetizers, salads, and desserts, uh, working my way up to grill cook, where I cooked the steaks and the specials for the night, and then all the way up to sauté line. And when you're on saute, that pretty much shows that you know the kitchen well. you got the hot dishes. So if you ever went to old wine country, when it was still in the mall, and you got like a duck or an or something like that, that was probably me cooking it. Or unless Anthony was online, then he would not to touch it. <laughs> But I worked my way up, and it was, like, about 15 months into it, and uh, I gave my heart and soul into uh, working for him. And out of nowhere, he's like, Fish, we need to talk. I'm making changes. I was like, I'm already getting fired already. This is crazy. <laughs> he's like, we're making changes, and I want you to step up. I want you to be a sous chef. I was like, That's, He's like, I know you're young, because I was only 21 at the time, and it's a big responsibility. You think you could do it? I was like, well, I'm not going to pass this down. So, yeah, of course, I got you. I'll, I'll step up and do it. And to be honest, for the first six months of being a sous chef, it was the hardest, hardest job I've ever done. Um, the pressure that was put on me was like 10 times of just working in an average kitchen, especially working under Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, just, it was just intense. And there were some times where I would rise, and he'd be like, great job. And there were some times where I'd just fall like flat on my face. And he's like, what's going on? Did I make a mistake? I know he's trying to be encouraging through the whole thing, but he was still iffy about it. Um, and then one week, like six months down the road, um, Mother's Day brunch starts to come up. And me being me, me, I was like, I'm gonna try and get off this week. <laughs> I've worked every brunch since I started here and I've been working my butt off, so I could probably get off. I request off, get on my phone, request off, and literally within 10 minutes, I get called into the chef's office. He's like, what are you trying to pull? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, chef. He's like, really? You're requesting off 10 minutes ago for Mother's Day brunch? And I was like, dang, you caught me. Okay. <laughs> He's, I was like, I'm working it then. He's like, yeah, of course you're working it. I was like, okay, who's my crew? He's like, don't worry, I'll be working it. And I got happy. I was like, if you're working it, we're gonna, it's going to be easy. No problem. Uh, and then he was like, well, we got three other guys. Three new, I just hired three new guys, and they're going to be on Garmage Day. So they'll be making that the pancakes, uh, waffles, all that stuff I don't want to deal with, but we got them working on it. I was like, cool, we got seven guys in the kitchen, including our dishwasher and our expo line. It's, it's a stacked line. There's no way anything can go wrong, so I think. And before I left the office after we talked, and the Chef's like, you know what, let's, let's haze them a bit. They're still the new guys, so let's mess with them. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, remember when you started, how everyone was messing with you? Let's mess with them. I was like, OK, well, we, I, sounds like fun. I'd love to enjoy that, yeah, right? So the week prior to the Mother's Day, uh, they start kind of freaking out. The new guys are like, is it really that tough? And I would be like, yeah. Um, if you can get through Mother's Day brunch, dude, you can get through any ship in the world. And chef would be like, yeah, last year we only had two people crying. One was fish. I was like, that was not me, I swear. <laughs> but we just like make little jokes like that throughout the whole week. And then Sunday came up. Sunday came up, and I got there an hour and a half early, because I was still scared. No matter how many people we had, I was still going to get there early. And I get there, I start making uh, start cracking eggs for my scrambled eggs and omelets, uh, cutting up stuff for the omelet station, um, start prepping up my line, uh, cutting tenderloin for steaks for the day and stuff like that, because I was on grill. And Anthony, I was scheduled at 8, but I got there at 6.30. Anthony comes in at like six, 7.30, and I'm like, what are you doing here so early? He's like, you scared too? He's like, no, no, no. I just couldn't sleep. I don't get scared of anything, fish. I was like, okay, okay, sure. So we start prepping. we put on some music and just like knock out the lines. Uh, I make biscuits, he's making the bacon. Uh, And it's going good. And I get my line set up, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to help out the new guys. I'm going to start setting up their line for them. And Chef's like, you shouldn't do that. They're going to have to learn how to prep their own station. I was like... Not on Mother's Day brunch. We can do that next week, but not this week. And so, he's like, whatever, they'll never learn. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> so I start prepping their station, making the waffle mix, pancake mix, uh, the specials for the day. Um, and time just flying past, and I look at the time, and it's about 9.30, and no one walked in. So I'm like, Chef, where is everybody? He's like, oh, I scheduled them at 10, because um, they had a late night last night. I was like, an hour before we open, on a brunch. <laughs> That's, no, okay, you're the chef, I'm not gonna argue. Uh, so, hour before we open, I, I start walking into the walk-in to grab some stuff and I hear the back door open. I'm like, cool, they're here, it's gonna be a great day. I walk out and it's Dex, our dishwasher. And Dex is an amazing guy. He can prep, he can do it, almost all. Uh, and I was like, hey Dex, good morning. Where's everybody else? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's literally 10:15 and no one's here. Uh, where's, you sure no one else came in with you? He's like, no, no, no. Chef comes down from downstairs, and I'm like, Chef, no one's here. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm kind of freaking out.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he's like, okay, now you're freaking out. I'm even worried. So he's like, I'll give you this guy's number. You call this guy. And so I called this guy. No joke, I dialed his number 10 times. First time, it went straight to voicemail. Second time, it rung all the way through, went to voicemail. And then seven other times, or six other times, they went straight to voicemail, except for the last, where he accidentally answered, he was like, oh, crap, and it hung up again. I was like, are you serious? This guy is killing me. So I look at Chef, I was like, he is, he's not coming. We're He's like, at least, I was like, at least we have two people, right? And he's like, they're not answering either. I was like, Chef, are you serious? He's like, yeah, no one's answering. It's just gonna be me and you. I was like, okay, me and you, knocking out 45 to 50 dishes, on a Mother's Day brunch. Sounds great. <laughs> so I go, I'm like, I'm glad I started prepping this, their station. I look underneath the, the, their line to see like what salad dressings they had ready. They had nothing ready. They got slaughtered the night before, so they had nothing. So I was rushing to make all these different dressings, and then 1055 rolls around, and I hear the doors open in front. I'm like, we don't open until 11. Usually this is okay, but this is, no, this isn't okay. And the server's like, the server goes, fish, don't worry, man. It's just, it's just a couple people. It's just a couple tables. I was like, okay, a couple tables is fine. How many is on each table? He's like, uh, five, six, and seven at three different tables. I was like, that's not a couple. A couple's like two or three. Uh, I guess the whole family showed up today. But, but it was just that moment at like 11 o'clock, the minute that first ticket came through. You know those, like, war movies where it gets really quiet because there's, like, gunshots and bullets going around, and it just gets really quiet, and you see one soldier looking at another soldier. It's like, it's about to go down. Well, that's what me and Chef, like, that moment is like, it's about to go down. So we're sitting there. Tickets come flying in, and for three hours straight, they were just nonstop. They had me and Chef running back and forth up the line, down the line, trying to make a salad or cook the steak or flip the steak, and there'd be times where we'd bump into each other because we'd... Messed, messed up, and I would have like omelet flying across the room or salad bowls everywhere. And there'd be times, like, right in the middle of our rush, um, one of the servers were trying to help out, which I wish they wouldn't have, and knocked down our hollandaise onto the floor. Yeah, yeah. So hollandaise just fell right onto the floor, and Anthony's like, I don't know what to do. And out of nowhere, thank God for Dex, Dex comes, he goes, here, I got some eggs cracked for you. He already had them separated and everything. He's like, you're good to go. And he made hollandaise on the fly. I've never seen someone make hollandaise in like two minutes, but Anthony did it. And so we get through the shift. It was crazy. Uh, I'm pretty sure I cried that day too. Uh, <laughs> but it was crazy. And we got through it, and it was at the end of it, tickets kept coming in. And as the last ticket came in, our night crew came in. And they were laughing because they had a great day with their family and stuff like that, which is awesome. But the minute they walked in, they're like, oh, crap.
0: <laughs> what
2: happened to you guys? We're like, they didn't show. Nobody showed. He's like, why didn't you call us? Because you can't work doubles. There's no way. Especially after shit ship like this. Yeah. And They just start laughing at us. And Anthony looks at him and goes, you know what? I'm done. Picks up his knife, puts it in his bag. He goes, Dex, fish, let's go. We literally walk out of that kitchen. That kitchen is a mess. Like there is still stuff everywhere. We're we're clean people, but after that shift, it was horrible. We go out to the go out to the patio and just sit there. We're still not talking to each other. We're just still like numb. And as we just sit there and no one says a word, a server comes by. and goes, "You guys really deserve this." Puts down a beer in front of us. And I don't drink beer, but that beer tasted. So good, so good after that shift. Um, but yeah, so, and that, after that, that kind of sealed the deal for me. I kind of earned chef's trust throughout the rest of my time with him. So he could always know, I could, he, he always knew I could, he could rely on me. And uh, there's a couple things I learned from that. It's like, you really learn who your friends are through sweat, pain, and sometimes crying, And then you also learn, never mess with the new guys. Or they might not show up. I appreciate it,
0: guys. We loved hearing Catfish have such a good time telling that story. He is a natural on stage and in the kitchen, it turns out.
1: But he wasn't always the kind of guy who would get on stage in front of a few hundred folks and tell a story. Recently, we caught up with Catfish for a chat about what his time in the restaurant industry has taught him about life outside the kitchen.
0: But before we hear that story, we want to thank our sponsor, MacCentric. If you're an Apple product owner like Sarah and I, you have a personal connection with your devices. You don't want to turn them over to just any stranger. Sarah and I trust MacCentric because they're local folks and they have a huge part in the community. When your Apple products need repairs or updates, MacCentric has got you covered. Learn more at MacCentric.net.
1: Thanks, Max Centric. Here's our conversation with Catfish Woodward. Tell us a little bit about like what you're doing now and kind of where you want to go.
2: So right now I'm uh, actually the assistant manager at Rhino Coffee, the downtown location. Um, I also help train uh, every now and then. Uh, But uh, shoot, I've been out of the kitchen for about two years now, like the professional kitchen. Um, But I cook every now and then. Right now I'm Doing like some side projects like we talked about it earlier, uh, like working on ramen, see if that would go anywhere. I think that'd be a lot of fun to bring that to Shreveport and see what we can make out of that. But yeah, it's just cooking for fun, making coffee, just doing what I want to do really. It's awesome.
1: Is that kind of your perspective for working in the food industry for long term? Like, are you like, I kind of just want to do the stuff that interests me and kind of see where that takes me or?
2: Well... At first, when I first started, it was one of those, like, I want to be the best. I want to be like Thomas Keller, try to at least work for the best. Like, after Shreveport, I thought after spending two or three years under Anthony, uh, who was my previous boss, uh, after spending time with him and learning from him, I would go on to either going to school at, like, CIA or just go work at, like, a top-tier kitchen. Uh, but after working for, like, four years under Anthony, I was like i don't know if this is actually what i want to do for the rest of my life not not it was just the kitchen life was uh a lot more than i expected and i handled it well i became a sous chef it was a lot of fun but i didn't find as much enjoyment out of it so i thought there was something else and that's why i was like kind of left that to go into coffee and as i learned in coffee i was like i'm able to connect with people more talk to them about just random things but also like be able to teach about coffee every now and then too um And that's what I found out I enjoy more than anything is just being able to connect with people and learn and just kind of teach. Maybe I'm
0: remembering incorrectly, but I remember you when we first met as really, you kind of seemed very shy and almost introverted. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, I have watched you grow out of that. Uh, And it seems
2: like cooking had a big part
0: in that. Like
2: you are very, very good with people now thank you i appreciate that i mean i don't see myself as like a great public speaker but that's cool um the all y'all event was kind of intimidating too but uh is i think it started off like when i first started working in the kitchen i i kept to myself i did my own thing but as i kind of grew up or grew into and in taking on bigger positions i had to get out there more i had to talk to people like as a sous chef anthony would be like hey go talk to this table I was like what I don't, want, I don't want to talk to these people I'm supposed to be in the kitchen That's my job Go talk to these people and then that kind of led to another thing and then I got into coffee where I was literally in the middle of the whole play, the cafe so I had to talk to everybody around the bar and just going on to that uh, I spoke at church every now and then or like twice uh, which was in front of like 1500 people but then it's like just slowly getting out of my shell and being able just to you know what if I mess up I mess up it's alright
1: do you think that people understand the work that chefs do
2: honestly i would say no i feel like a lot of people just see it as uh i cook at home it's not that hard so <laughs> yeah they're, what they're doing is it could it could be anything but i mean like working a brunch for 400 people on mother's day with only two people on the line that's uh, a it's a lot harder than you think um and it's not healthy oh no of course not, and. That's what a lot of people, I feel nowadays still, I feel like putting in the time is worth every bit of it. You put in the time, you'll get what you want out of it. Nothing's going to be handed to you, no matter what, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much money you have. I mean, you're going to start from the bottom and you got to work your way up. It comes down to really like, am I really passionate about it? And can I help someone with this? And can I help build up the community somehow? That's my main goal is try to help Shreveport adapt.
1: adapt.
0: (laughs) Well, we really loved hearing your story live, and I think the crowd did too. Uh, Thank you for trusting us.
2: No, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. It was awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. If you'd like to receive updates when we release new episodes, Please like us on Facebook and follow us at, at all y'all podcast on Instagram and Twitter.
1: And if you think you might enjoy telling a story live on stage in front of a few hundred folks at an all y'all event, we want to hear from you. Currently, we're seeking storytellers for a fall 2019 fundraiser event on the subject of mental health. If you've got a story to tell on that topic or any other, call our storyteller hotline at 318 318- 582-0665 and tell us a little about it. Just leave like a sentence or two. Just like talk a little bit about your journey. We'll be in touch.
0: Thanks again to our podcast sponsors, Marilyn's Place and Max Centric for supporting independent media in Shreveport. Don't forget, if you're considering launching your own podcast, head to cohab.org where you can sign up to take a tour of the Cohab Podcast Studio where this episode of All Y'all was recorded.
1: Thanks for listening, y'all. I'm sorry I'm so country I grew up in a rice field
0: hey I mean and that's not even country that's the bayou